0: The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, I was sitting in my car, was dressed really nice. I was suited up, had on the black suit, white shirt, and red tie. And I was so nervous, so nervous. You see, I had recently graduated from the University of Nebraska, and I was now working my first professional job, recruiting for my alma mater. And I was about to walk into a room full of many of the the best and the brightest high school seniors from around the state for the first time as a recruiter, and I knew the recruiter from, from the University of Nebraska Omaha and the University of Nebraska Kearney were going to be there, and they were going to be on top of their game, and I was, I was nervous, and I, I didn't feel particularly confident, and so I did what many of us would have done in that particular situation. I queued up pump-up music. I'd like to tell you that it was like a mighty fortress. These were different days. Um, I think it was Jay-Z, but... Imagine, imagine driving by, seeing a guy sitting in a suit, speakers cranked, pumping the music, you hear the bass line, and you see him just... Like moving, like one of these, <laughs> trying to to get ready. I needed help, right? I, I needed to uh, get myself kind of ready for the task at hand, and, and pump up music. Pump up music was going to to do it for me. And look, if if you played any kind of sports over uh, your years like competitively, uh, maybe maybe you've used pump up music similarly. As, as well. Now our, our psalm today is a pump-up song for the people of God. Not, not in the sense that it has a heavy beat and aggressive lyrics that get your head nodding and your, your heart pumping, but one that, if true, should fill us with courage for our faith journey through life as Christians. Now remember, this summer we're working through the Psalms of Ascent which were likely sung by God's people as they made their pilgrimage three times a year to the holy city, to Jerusalem, for uh, these major feasts that were being held there. And so the the context of our psalm, presumably, is is a psalm written by a, a pilgrim who is making his way to Jerusalem. And what do we read? But in verse 1, he says, I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? You see, the psalmist lifts his eyes to the hills, and he, he sees all of the potential danger that awaits him. You see, this was a dangerous trip out in the, in the wilderness, just exposed to the elements, exposed to difficult terrain exposed to potential enemies who might be waiting to ambush and steal their belongings. Wild animals. And I think he's kind of like me sitting in my vehicle, suited up, ready to go in and give my presentation. I think he might be a little bit a little bit nervous. I think that fear might be threatening to grip him a bit. You see, he needs help. He needs help. But where, well, the, where this, where will this help come from? Well, as he lifts his eyes to the hills, this is the assurance that he's given. Some would argue that this uh, that this psalm is a is designed to be, or was used liturgically as a call and response. So as if the psalmist in verse 1 asks a question, where is my help going to come from? And in verse 2, the congregation of pilgrims gives him his answer. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, the hills are dangerous, brothers and sisters, but his help will come from the one who created those hills. I'll put my money on him from the one who who, who sustains those hills. That's where his help is coming from. For the one who who formed those hills with his his very word. You see, the Lord will be the pilgrim's keeper on his journey. This word keep is, is a word that we find six times in this psalm. Anytime a word is repeated, we want to pay attention to that. The psalmist wants to communicate something to us, something about keeping. Now, this word keeper or to keep means to watch over, to protect. And so then, a big idea that I think we're going to pull out this morning from our psalm is this. The Lord watches over his people as they navigate their journey through life. That's what this psalm, that's what this pump-up song wants to tell us, the the Lord watches over his people as they navigate their journey through life. The the question then becomes, if the Lord is our keeper, if he is our watcher, then what kind of watcher, what kind of keeper is he? And furthermore, what kind of watching and what kind of keeping does he do? We're going to be told that. In our psalm this morning, we're we're going to be given at least three answers to these questions in the final six verses of our psalm. The the first answer is this, the Lord watches over his people attentively. Attentively. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, once again, this path To Jerusalem through the hills and the valleys, through the wilderness, it was a treacherous one. There were going to be all kinds of of potential dangers, lots of things that could go wrong, lots of things that could threaten a pilgrim's well-being, and through it all, the Lord promises that the pilgrim's very foot wouldn't so much as be moved, that his foot wouldn't slip that the Lord here is promising sure footing for the duration of the journey but but notice this this isn't a call me if you need me kind of statement here is it the picture here isn't of a God who merely makes himself available to his people should they need him it's not like the Lord is like doing his own thing just waiting to get the call like, hey, I'm just going to lay down over here, like scroll Twitter a little bit if, if you need me, just like hit me up. He's, he's not saying, hey, I'm just going to lay down and take a quick nap if you need me. I'm, I'm just going to be in the next room. Ye- yell if you need me and, and I'll come help. It's not the kind of keeping and watching we're told about here, is it? It The text tells us that he who keeps or, or watches over you, will not slumber. Verse 3. And then the, the, the second verse of this couplet, we're going to find it It intensifies the first. We, we, the, the second verse in each pair is going to crank it up a notch. This is a, a pattern we're going to see over and over in this psalm. And so, uh, he who keeps you will not slumber. Verse 4, behold, he who keeps Israel. Not just you, but you will neither slumber nor sleep. And this, this brought to mind, for me, First Kings 18. I wonder if you know this story, if you remember this story. This is, this is where we see Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal to a contest of sorts. Do you remember this? You know what happens? Elijah and, and hundreds of prophets of, ba- of Baal. So uh, Elijah is the only prophet of the Lord. We have hundreds of prophets of Baal, I think 450 uh, they're each given a bull to place on a pile of wood. They would both call upon their God to set fire to their respective bull. And the God who answered by fire was the one true God. That, these are the terms of the contest. And the, the prophets of Baal went first. And they called upon their God. They called upon Baal. were told from morning till noon. Nothing. 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 So... What do you do? You cry louder. What do you do? You try to get, you try to get your God's attention. So what do, they, what do we see the prophets of Baal doing? They, they went so far as to cut themselves with their swords. My favorite part of the whole episode is when the prophet Elijah mocks them. Here's what he says. At noon, Elijah mocked them saying, Cry aloud, for he is, he is a God. Either He is musing, or He's relieving Himself, or He's on a, a journey, or, or perhaps He's asleep and must be wakened. So call upon Him. Maybe, maybe He's out journeying or, or musing. Maybe He's going potty. Or... Maybe he's a little bit tired. Now, after completely, completely saturating his own sacrifice with water, Elijah called out to the Lord and were told that the fire of the Lord fell. It descended and consumed the bull and consumed the wood. And consumed the stone on top of which all of this was placed and licked up all of the water as well. And after this we're told and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. What else would you do after witnessing this? What else would you do after experiencing the the impotence of Baal and being confronted with the sheer terror Of the God of the Hebrews. When all saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Elijah's God, brothers and sisters, is our God. The Lord, He is our God. And He's always watching over His people. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't take catnaps. He's not musing. He's not journeying. He's not stuck in the bathroom. My family and I, just a, a few weeks ago, after a soccer game, decided to go to Yogurtini at 40 40th and, you know, up down there. And uh, we decided to go to Yogurtini and, and have a bit of a treat. It was the end of the season. We had a good season, and so we went to celebrate. And um, I was driving the van with the kids. Um, Kaylee was kind of coming by herself in uh, our second vehicle kids and I got there first and um, we all kind of walked carefully up to the sidewalk in in front of the building and we waited for her and Kaylee pulled up and for a split second my distraction or my, my, my attention was distracted and our youngest, who adores his mom, caught her with his eyes and he darted out in the parking lot with his arms out like this. Mommy, just as an SUV was uh, just, just a couple of feet from him in the parking lot. The only thing that we could do was yell out and hope that he would stop. Fortunately, not, not a moment too soon, the, uh, um, the, the woman driving the SUV who was alert and paying attention, uh, she stopped, crisis averted. But look, I, I was distracted for one brief, one very critical moment. And in that one brief and critical moment, my misstep could have, could have been very costly. And, and look, there was absolutely nothing I could do. We've all had experiences like this, haven't we? Especially with the parent-child relationship. This is probably the most intimate and impactful uh, human kind of watching over relationship that we've had in our lives. Or the most significant kind of missing piece in our lives if, if we haven't had that. And so we've all experienced being watched over as children and, and, and many of us have experienced watching over as a parent. And look, as a child, for some of us, we had good, loving, attentive parents. But much like me in the Yogurtini parking lot, they were human. They are human. They're imperfect. And for others of us, we had parents... Uh, who are on the opposite end of the spectrum. They were indifferent concerning us. Maybe they were completely unavailable. Maybe our parents are too overwhelmed by their own problems to be concerned with our own, to be be watching over us and to be engaged in our problems. Maybe our parents are too busy Tuned out, distracted, disinterested, ambivalent. Some of us grew up in homes where our parents weren't faithful to watch out for us. In in fact, they were just, they were flat out neglectful. And as, as parents... We all desire to watch over our kids to protect them and, and to keep them safe, and, and yet we're faced with this daily reality that we're not the sovereign God, are we? We're, we're, we're limited, we're finite, we're imperfect, we're human, we're distractible, we're sinful, and we fail, we, we lose focus, and we look away in that one critical moment. Brothers and sisters, the promise of Psalm 121, the promise of our pump-up song this morning is for something better. The promise is for someone better, for a better keeper than you and I or that our our parents could ever be. Psalm 121 tells us that the Lord our God watches over you attentively. That the Lord God watches over you vigilantly, caringly, this is a full-time job. He's not our, our part-time keeper. And then he hires the help. Undistractingly, he watches over us. Undistractingly, he watches over you, and he will not let your foot slip on the journey. The Lord watches over his people attentively. Secondly, the Lord watches over his people at all times. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Verse 5 helps us to understand it even more clearly what kind of keeper the Lord is. We're told that the Lord watches over His people and provides shade. What is shade? But, but to provide shelter, to, to provide protection. But it doesn't seem as though we're just talking about like, trivial protection or protection from trivial danger. We're not talking about like, protection from UV rays or, or sunburns here. The word for strike in verse 6 carries a, a, a much more severe meaning than that. And so what we're talking about here is protection from significant harm. We're talking about protection from attack. We're talking about protection from defeat. We're talking about protection from destruction. To help to to paint the picture even more clearly, one commentator explains, because a soldier carried a shield in his left hand, the right side of the body remained exposed and vulnerable. Consequently, consequently, One always sought to have a friend or ally at his right hand to provide protection. And and wouldn't you know it, we're told that the Lord is a shade on our right hand. And and look, we we see this idea uh, lots of other places in the Psalms, for example. Psalm 16.8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is where? He's at my right hand, protecting me where I'm most vulnerable and exposed. I shall not be shaken. Psalm 109, for he stands at the right hand of the needy one. I wonder if you come here today, and I wonder if you would use the word needy as an adjective to explain or describe yourself. If so, be sure that the Lord stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. And so the the Lord is your friend. He's your ally at your right hand, giving you protection where you're most exposed, where you're most vulnerable. He's your refuge. He's your hiding place in times of trouble. He's a shield providing shade and shelter from danger. And because the day and the night present very different dangers and vulnerabilities, we're told that our keeper, who neither slumbers nor sleeps, watches over us round the clock. Told the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. We're talking about 24-7 protection here. 24-7, 365, protection at all times. The promise here is the Lord will watch over you, will keep you, will protect you when you're awake, but also when you're asleep. We're told that the Lord will protect you, watch over you, and keep you when you're at work, but also when you're at rest. When you get up and when you lie down. The Lord is your protection in the light of the day, And in the dark of of night, The, the Lord is your protection when you feel strong and sufficient. And the Lord is your protection when you feel weak and insufficient. The Lord is your keeper when you're healthy. The Lord is your keeper when you're sick. The Lord is your keeper when you're light and filled with joy. The Lord is your keeper when the dark clouds of depression settle in again. The Lord is your protector when you're thriving and when you're suffering. The Lord is your keeper watching over you. Your shade on your right hand day and night. Well that brings us then to the final two verses where we see that the Lord watches over us Pay attention here. In always, always. In always, always. Verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. Now, first of all, notice the language that we see here in this psalm. What we're talking about comprehensive type language here, aren't we? The Lord will keep you from not just some evil, the Lord will keep you from all evil. The Lord won't just keep some aspects of your life, but He will keep your life, period, full stop. The Lord will keep not just your going out, but also your coming in. The psalmist is telling us here that the Lord's keeping is, in fact, comprehensive. The Lord who watches over his people and keeps his people at all times watches over and keeps his people in all ways. So what we're talking about here is we're talking about your life. We're talking about every aspect of the believer's life. We're talking about work. We're talking about play and recreation. We're talking about the Lord keeping you in the midst of singleness and in the midst of marriage. The Lord will keep your parenting. The Lord will keep you in your, in your friendships. The Lord will keep you in your spiritual life. The Lord is your protector. He's watching over you as you suffer and endure trial and persecution. The Lord will keep you in all of life. And perhaps most importantly, even in death. And there's, there's no sense in this psalm that these promises are conditional. These promises are true for all those who belong to the Lord. Neither do these promises come with an expiration date. It's not a punch card. Like you, you got 10 uses and then, I don't know, you're on your own. Help yourself. This isn't a, the Lord helps those who help themselves kind of thing. The Lord's keeping is, is comprehensive. He, he keeps us in all ways. And His keeping is also always. He's, he's always keeping. We, we see in, in verse 8, from this time and forevermore. You see this psalm gives us hope for today. This psalm gives us hope for now. Which is which is good because you and I are in the heat of a journey right now, aren't we? And you you might be you might be sensing some of that heat right now and you might be weary right now. You you might need some significant help right now. And so what the psalm does, Psalm 121, it's it's our pump-up song for today. It's truth for today. It's hope for today, for the journey as we make our way through those perilous hills. But this psalm also gives us hope for the future. You see, these aren't just temporal promises. These are eternal promises. The Lord will watch over you and keep you from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord will. Who watches over you will never not be watching over you. The Lord who is keeping you will never not keep you. The Lord who is protecting you will never not protect you. The Lord who is your God will always be your God. And through Christ Jesus and the hope that is ours in him, we will always be his people. And we have this eschatological hope, this future hope of eternal joy and pleasures forevermore in his presence. And he'll keep us there. So then, Jesus watches over his people as they navigate their journey through life. He watches over his people attentively, he's paying attention vigilantly. He watches over his people at all times and in all ways, always. But one point that we have to make here is that this, this psalm isn't a promise that, Trump, that, that trouble will never come. I think that's, that's a way that we can misread this psalm. And so, hey, hey look, the, the trial in my life, the trouble in my life, the suffering that I'm enduring right now is evidence that this God doesn't tell the truth and that he's, he's not my keeper. He's not watching attentively. In fact, I think he's looking the other way. He's not watching me at all times. In fact, I think he might be doing that musing, whatever that is. And so it's, it's not a promise that trouble will never come. It's not a promise for a perfect or carefree life. Neither is it a psalm, hear this, neither is this a psalm that promises that will never be adversely affected by danger. And, and frankly, it just, it just can't be. All we have to do is turn to the other Psalms and we would realize that the, the danger awaits. Suffering awaits. Trial awaits. A, a, awaits pain awaits. And it, in fact, I would argue that the New Testament seems to argue the exact opposite. I mean, you just look at uh, the Apostle Paul's life, for example. He was kind of like, Live in large, persecuting Christians, if you remember, when they stone Stephen, the first the first martyr we see in the book of Acts, whose feet do they lay Stephen's clothing at? But but Paul's, then known as as Saul's. Sitting in a in a pretty good spot. Well, then he means Jesus, becomes a Christian. The name changes from Saul to Paul. And what do we see? play out over and over and over again in the life of Paul suffering in fact other so-called super apostles said that man couldn't have apostolic authority he's too weak he suffers too much jesus promised his followers if they hated me they're going to hate you too and so this psalm can't be a promise the troubles that 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 we're going to escape all trouble. that This is not a promise of a carefree life. So then, what is the promise of the psalm specifically? Well, first, it's a, a promise that when trouble does come, the Lord will always be with us in the midst of it. This is the promise that Jesus left his disciples when he commissioned them with a task, with a mission that was a very dangerous one. In fact, we will see of the 12, we'll see historically, we're told that 11 of the 12 apostles, or 11 of the, the 12 disciples, die a martyr's death. And this is, this is the promise that he left his followers with. He says, all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's the task. That's the mission. That's the commission. Don't stop there. Please, Christian, don't stop there. And behold, I am with you always. When? For how long? To the end of the age to the end of the age this is why he told his his followers hey hey wait wait until you receive the promised helper wait until you receive the promised holy spirit who will dwell in you this is the presence of Christ in the life of the believer and so the, the promise of psalm 21 isn't just a promise that The Lord will watch over you. The the promise of Psalm 121 is that the Lord Jesus himself is with you. With you in the midst of trouble. With you as you trek that perilous hill. Second, the psalm is a promise that when trouble does come, through it all, nothing will separate us from Jesus who is with us, who is in us. Eugene Peterson, I I quoted this a couple of weeks ago in, in his book, Uh, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which actually walks through the Psalms of Ascent. He writes this, The promise of the psalm is not that we shall never stub our toes, but that no injury, no illness, no accident, no distress will have evil power over us. That we'll be able to separate us from God's purposes in us. No literature is more realistic and honest in facing the harsh facts of life than the Bible. Amen to that. At no time is there the faintest suggestion that the life of faith exempts us from difficulties. What it promises is preservation from all the evil in them. None of the things that happen to you, none of the troubles you encounter have any power to get between you and God, dilute his grace in you, divert his will from you. Jesus doesn't just Watch over your health. Jesus doesn't just watch over your finances or your well-being or even your happiness. He stands guard over your life. Over your your your, your being. He stands guard over your very soul. He, he's your eternal keeper. And none that he keeps will be taken from him. Romans 8, the Apostle Paul, again, who who suffered mightily in the name of Jesus, says this in Romans 8 Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? What, what, what danger shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or maybe famine, or, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Some of the dangers that no doubt were awaiting God's people in the hills as they made their trek to Jerusalem. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Psalm 121 is our pump-up song, church. It's our pump-up song because it's true. Because it's true. And if it's true, we don't have to lift lift our eyes to the hills and ask the question, from where does our help come? Because if it's true, we can, we can charge the hill. If it's true, we can take the hill with confidence, knowing that the Lord is our keeper who won't let our foot slip, who will give us, uh, who will give us sure footing all the way up. And because it's true, because this song is true, I can share the gospel with my neighbor. I can share the gospel with my neighbor. And look, if he rejects me, if if I have to endure persecution at work because I uh, associate myself with Jesus, I can endure. Why? Because the psalm is true because the psalm is true i can humble myself and ask for forgiveness Be- because the psalm is true i can confront that brother or sister in love even though i'm dreading the conversation because the song is true because the lord is our keeper i can step up and lead even though i feel insufficient for the task because the song is true, I can pour myself out for others, even if I get no thanks or no appreciation in return. Because the song is true, I can, I can have hope, even in the face of the diagnosis. Because the psalm is true, I can get out of bed today, and then again tomorrow. Because the psalm is true, I can go to bed tonight in peace. Jesus is our keeper. And he watches over his people as they navigate their journey through life. Brothers and sisters, if if Jesus, if Jesus is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the mighty keeper of your people. We thank you that, even as we sit here this morning, that you are our keeper. And Lord, we, we confess before you that we need keeping. <laughs> we need your careful watch. We need your faithful presence. We thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to rescue us, but not just that, to be with us. Thank you that he didn't just ascend on high without sending us a helper. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which is Christ in us. Father, as, as we lift our eyes to the hills and as, as we ask our question in the midst of our journey from where Does our help come? Would this song, would this song be be playing over and over in our heads? Would you remind us that the Lord who, who created heaven and earth, you are our keeper. Thanks be to God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.